In Georgia Ag and Review for the week of May 27th, we had this recap of the Farm Bill progress. Well, despite optimism by Senate Ag Chair Debbie Stabenow, lawmakers left town for Memorial Day recess without a vote on the Farm Bill and are now set to resume Farm Bill debate when they return on June 3rd. Meanwhile, we have a quick recap on what amendments were discussed and voted on last week, starting with SNAP, as the Senate rejected an effort to increase the cut in food stamps from $4 billion to $31 billion. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, an amendment to eliminate the SNAP cuts in the bill altogether by cutting crop insurance instead was also rejected. However, crop insurance was not totally in the clear, with senators voting on three more crop insurance amendments. First, an amendment to end crop insurance subsidies for tobacco was rejected. However, senators did approve an amendment to authorize the use of the insurance fund to reduce fraud and maintain crop insurance program integrity, as well as an amendment to limit premium subsidies for those with an average adjusted gross income above $750,000. Other failed amendments included giving states the clear authority to require labels on food or beverages made with genetically modified ingredients and an amendment to strike out the U.S. sugar program. When the senators return, they will discuss an amendment currently on the floor to cut market access program funding, something highly opposed by many commodity groups as they believe that MAP provides a cost-effective program to help maintain and expand U.S. ag exports, protect and create American jobs, and strengthen farm income. When the senators do return, they may have a sense of urgency since the clock on the farm bill is ticking with immigration reform ready for floor debate. And with more policy news, Randall Wiseman had this on the final MCOOL ruling. Well, USDA issued their final rule to modify the labeling provisions for muscle-cut commodities covered under the Mandatory Country of Origin Labeling Program. The final rule modifies the labeling provisions for muscle-cuts covered under commodities to require the origin designations to include information about where each of the production steps, like where the animal was born, raised, and slaughtered, all occurred, and removes the allowance for commingling of muscle-cuts. The World Trade Organization had found that U.S. cool requirements for certain meat commodities discriminated against Canadian and Mexican livestock imports and thus were inconsistent with the WTO agreement on technical barriers to trade. And in a statement made by National Cattlemen's Beef Association President Scott George, he said they are deeply disappointed with this short-sighted action by USDA, noting our largest trading partners have already said that these provisions will not bring the U.S. into compliance with our WTO obligations and will result in increased discrimination against imported products and, in turn, retaliatory tariffs or other authorized trade sanctions. Now, what exactly would a retaliatory tariff involve? Well, that's a question NCBA Vice President of Government Affairs Colin Woodall answers. A retaliatory tariff could uh, take on several different forms. What we'd expect is there would be uh, some percentage of tariff that's placed on uh, U.S. beef and U.S. pork, but also other U.S. commodities. This is not just about our two, uh, uh, our two products, beef and pork, when it comes to retaliation. When you go back and you look at the Mexican trucking issue from a couple of years ago, retaliation was placed on a whole number of products to try to really inflict a lot of pain on the U.S. economy. I think that Canada and Mexico will take the same approach with country of origin labeling. Woodall said retaliation would result in taking money out of the pockets of U.S. producers. Because right now, Canada and Mexico are two of our largest markets for the export of U.S. beef. We know that exports as a whole uh, account for about $225 per marketed animal. So a good chunk of that is tied up with uh, our access into Canada and Mexico. If that is restricted or we have tariffs placed on top of it, then yes, that has a direct impact on the price that we're going to see uh, paid for cattle, 
And on top of that, it's going to uh, just add even more consternation to an industry that continues to worry about drought, continues to worry about overregulation, and continues to be concerned about the lowest cattle herd we've had in years. The last thing we need is to start losing international access or have tariffs placed on our product. The final rule is now in effect as notice of it was published in today's May 24th Federal Register. And we will wrap up with these thoughts from Everett Greiner. When you write about farming and food as much as I have, I guess you just naturally don't see farming as anything else. But what if food was all that farming was about? What about all the clothing you've worn made from cotton? That's not food. And the newspaper you read each morning, the hundreds of items we all use made of paper, that's not food. The leather in your shoes, that's not edible. And what would we construct our buildings of if we had no trees? All these products come off a farm somewhere. They have to be produced by a farmer. They don't feed anybody. So farming is a lot of things that we don't think about. But even those edible crops we do think about serve us in a lot more ways than one. Our vehicles now operate on corn and soy bean products. So when you shop and buy that next pair of shoes or that new handbag, you can say thank you to a farmer. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.